morning, Brookside. How are you today? Doing okay? Yeah, you're a little, you're a little quiet. The front row is good, but how about everybody else okay? Yeah? Good to see you. Uh, as Rob said, if you're a guest, welcome to you, special welcome to you. Love to shake your hand uh, later even this morning. Well, I'm, I'm really excited uh, for where we're heading this morning in the scriptures, and um, I've just been praying that you would just be blessed by uh, just our time together in God's word. Um, let me ask you, though, as we kind of set things up, have, have you ever had this happen to you? You ever called somebody on accident? You pocket dialed them on accident? You ever had that happen? Um, or had it happen to you. Uh, this week, I, I saw on the screen, my dad was calling me, and my dad usually doesn't call me during the work week, and, and so I quickly, you know, I took his call, and, and, uh, and I said, hey, dad, you okay? What's going on? You know, and, and uh, I, I didn't hear him talk to me, but I could tell he was there because I could hear his voice. He was talking, and I said, oh, okay, that's what happened, but before I hung up, I gave him one more shot. I said, hey, dad, you there? You, you okay? And I uh, didn't hear anything back, and and then as I was about to, to hang up the phone, about to hit the old hang-up button there, um, I just had this thought go through my mind, it's just nice to hear my dad's voice. And so I just eavesdropped on him for a while, and I, I just I listened to his voice. And, but it was, ended up being kind of a God moment for me, because after about 10, 15 seconds, I finally uh, hung up the phone, and, and I just thought to myself, wow, hearing his voice was just really good today. And I've got several friends that have lost their dads early in life, and they would honestly do about anything to be able just to hear their dad's voice one more time, right? And it was, ended up being a God moment for me because it was as though the Lord kind of nudged me along a little bit later in the day just to ask myself this question, do I treasure God's voice like I treasured my dad's that day? Like, do I, do I, do I long to hear from God? And I mentioned that this morning because I, I really want us, as we approach God's word today, I want us to go with this kind of a heart and this kind of a mindset and this kind of intentionality where we say, Lord, I just want to hang on the line a little bit longer, and I just want to hear from you. And we know this, God longs to speak to us. And so even right now, would you join me? And let's just go with that kind of a posture. And I said this first service as well. You might come here today, and frankly, your heart's not there. And I would just encourage you. Um, as you, even if your heart's not quite there, if you'll just say to the Lord, Lord, I, I'm not quite there, but I do want to hear from you. You're a good God, so speak to me today. God, I, what I love about our God is he will respond to that. So right now, let's pray together, and, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. And uh, we just want to declare to you today, Lord, that we want to treasure your voice. God, we want to stay on the line and hear from you. And so, Lord, would you speak to us this morning through your word, through your nudges, through the fact that your spirit is alive and well in this place. And so, Father, we just lay our concerns before you. We lay our lives before you. And, Lord, we desire to receive from you. Church, if you're comfortable with this, even right there on your lap, just between you and God, maybe turn your palms up to, uh, uh, just turn your palms up. And as a way, as even a posture way of saying, Lord, I just want to receive today. God, what would you have for me? God, I'm listening. God, I need you to speak. I need you to direct. I need you to guide. I pray that you'd remind me today. So, Lord, that's our prayer. And uh, we thank you that we can pray one like that because you're a good God. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as Emma said, today's a new series start. We love launching new series. And today we're going to launch this series four weeks long. It's going to take us through four different psalms. I'm really excited for all of you for next weekend. Next weekend, Blaze Smith, our high school pastor, is going to be teaching. He's going to be teaching out of Psalm chapter 16. And uh, he was up here last weekend leading through communion. And as I was out in the audience, I, I just thought, oh, what a joy. 
What a joy to see God using and raising up the next generation. Blaze is one of our youngest leaders here at Brookside. And, um, and I just want to say thank you to you as a church because you are the kind of church that you long to see the next generation raised up. And so I want to encourage you next weekend, come ready to encounter God. I think you're going to be blessed by Blaze's teaching. But also come ready to cheer on the next generation. You know, we love what God's doing in the next generation around here. And I thank you that you're the kind of church that you look at the next generation and you say, you know what, those are the future leaders of our businesses, of our homes, of our schools, of our governments. And so, Lord, would you raise them up and would you do great things in them? So, church, thank you for, for who you are in, in that way. Uh, so four psalms over the course of the next four weeks. You know, the book of Psalms, just to kind of say some overarching things about it, there's 150 psalms in your Bible. Um, we know this about the psalms. They do a lot of things. They instruct us in a lot of ways. They record things like prayers. They record things like even laments. They help us know, how do you grieve? You can look to the Psalms and you can find direction. What does it mean to grieve, to go through a hard time? We also see this in the Psalms. We find that there are places that they really direct us. Okay, how do I seek hard after God? How do I become the kind of person that I actively embrace the promises of God? How do I get encouragement along that path? They also remind us of things. The Psalms remind us of who we are in Christ. They remind us of the goodness of God. They remind us that if you follow Jesus Christ, there are going to be some results in your life. You're going to see that even today in the text that we're going to look at. And so we're going to unpack these four Psalms, and what you're going to see is we're going to talk about the character of God. You're going to see four different major aspects about God's character. This morning, we're going to look at one Psalm that only has six verses, but they're very powerful verses. It's one of the most traveled to psalms in all of the scriptures. It's my go-to passage. Through seasons of life, highs and lows, I tend to always find my way back to this psalm. It's so important to us. We said as our kids were very young, as the very first thing we said, we need you to memorize this. We worked on it as a family because we wanted this psalm to be deeply in them. It's very popular. It's Psalm 23. And I think it's so popular and so gone to because it hits so many people at so many different junctures of life. I heard one pastor put it like this. He said, this psalm is like truly a journey. It's like a pilgrimage into the promises of God. And I think you're going to find that. You're going to, as we journey through these six verses today, I think you're going to go, wow, we are looking as we go at the different promises of God that are very real and very important for us. Charles Spurgeon, he's known as like kind of the prince of preachers. He put it this way. He said, Psalm 23 is the great pearl of all the Psalms. And so my prayer is that God would speak to us uh, through it. So let's do this just out of reverence for God's word this morning. Would you stand with me? We'll read it through in its entirety, and then we'll, we'll, we'll work through it together, okay? Psalm 23, it says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray now that it would speak, and we welcome you to, that it would do so in our lives. Amen. You may be seated. Well, my goal this morning as we go through this psalm is very, very straightforward. I want to drive you very intentionally 
I want to drive you to one question, and the question comes straight out of verse 1, very straightforward. Here's the question that I want you to ask as we work through this psalm. Here it is, very simply, is the Lord my shepherd? Is the Lord your? Is the Lord my shepherd? Now, we don't use shepherd language very often in our day and age, and so if that's kind of a hang-up for you, you can think of the question this way. Is the Lord the one that I've chosen to lead me? Is the Lord the one that I've chosen to lead my life? Now, we all know this. There are a lot of alternatives of things that could lead your life other than the Lord. But here's one thing that is definitely certain. Something is leading you. Something is your shepherd. Something is your leader. It might be you. It might be fear. It might be an addiction. It might be another person. It might be a goal in your life that just drives you. It is your leader. Now, you might be even tempted as I ask you that question, is the Lord your shepherd? You might be tempted like I am to just kind of flippantly say, well, yeah. But I want to encourage you this morning as we go through these six verses, would you ask at each juncture along the way, would you say, and how about in that area? Is he really leading me? Like, am I really submitting to the leadership of my good God in that area of my life? I think if you'll examine your heart, I think this morning as we go through this, you'll be, you'll be really glad you did. Um, above verse 1, your Bible should say this. It says, a psalm of David. And I mention that because if you're newer to the Bible, we know some things about the person that wrote Psalm 23. We know that David became a king, that he had a lot of power that he could yield. He had a lot of authority. We also know this. David was a guy we can relate to because oftentimes David's life was an absolute train wreck. He was a mess. We also know this. David was referred to, even though that's true, David was referred to by God as a man after his own heart. And it wasn't because David was such a great man. It was because David had embraced the fact that, okay, if I wrong, if I commit sin in my life, if I repent, God will restore me. God longs to, to when I stray, to draw me back to him. And so David writes this in verse 1. He says this, the Lord is my shepherd. And then he says, I lack nothing. Now notice the way that David comes right out of the gate. He makes a strong declaration. The Lord is my shepherd. He's making a big statement there. Now, scholars have different views about when David actually wrote this psalm. Did he write it when he was a young boy? Did he write it when he was out uh, tending sheep in a flock? Or did he write it later in life when he was the king and he had all the responsibility and the pressure of, of leading a bunch of people? When did David write it? Honestly, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if he was just a shepherd boy it doesn't really matter if he was maybe the king of Israel at that time. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter if he was, it was during the time where he was this mighty warrior fighting. What matters is this, and we see it right in verse 1 is this. It's his posture. Regardless of his stage of life, notice his posture. That's what we learn. David's saying this, the Lord is my shepherd. That means I come under his leadership. Now, we also know that David had a ton of experience of being out in a field, being around sheep. When the prophet Samuel came to David's house and he's interacting with David's father, Jesse, and they're looking for David. Where was David? He's nowhere to be found. Well, where was he? They knew where he was. He was out in the field. He was doing what David did. He was shepherding sheep. Now, it's also interesting. If David is saying early on, the Lord is my shepherd, he's also implying that he has some similarities to a sheep. Now, if you know anything about 
Sheep, I learned a ton about sheep this week. I just got to be honest. I'm tired of these animals. <laughs> but if you know anything about them, here it is. They are not an ad- admirable creature at all. In fact, they're dumb. Like, really dumb. Like, I'm saying that very nicely. They're stubborn. They're very hard to raise. If you have a dog that you're trying to train and you're fed up, just rent a sheep for a week. You'll be glad. You'll be happy with your dog. They're hard to keep track of. Sheep, their hearing isn't very good. Their eyesight is even worse. They wander off. And that would be okay if they wandered off. But when they wander off, they're defenseless. And so if the predator comes, they're in big trouble. They're a helpless, strong-willed, trouble-bent animal. Now, let's be honest. If you're at the zoo and you walk by the cage of this animal, what goes through your mind? You think, whoa! I mean, you look at that mouth long enough, you'd be scared, right? I mean, you look at that animal and you go, powerful, commanding. You just want to stop. You don't even need to say anything. You just go, whoa. Oh, look, it's feeding. Let's watch that. Now, how about this? When you walk by this animal at the zoo, what do you think? (laughs) Yeah, you laugh. Why are you laughing? You poke fun, you you know, you kind of interact and, oh, little kid, it'd be fun to try to ride it, wouldn't it? You know, I mean, you just, it's just not that great of an animal, is it? Think about it. Dogs are smart, right? Think about a fish. Fish are fast and they're colorful. They're beautiful. Birds are amazing. Birds can, can soar. I mean, think about how fun that would be. Cats are, let's go back to the sheep, right? <laughs> There's a gal actually on our staff, and, and she said this about sheep. She said, when a sheep is sheared, so when its wool is coming off, she said, oftentimes what's really disgusting about them is that as the wool comes off, what becomes evident are, is that there are hundreds of ticks on the sheep. Think about that the next time you put on your wool winter coat. Gross, right? But David know this. He knows all these things about these animals, and he likens himself to them. David's very quick to acknowledge, I'm not at the, food, the top of the food chain. David's very quick to acknowledge, I'm not the kind of animal that's the king of my domain. David's very quick to acknowledge, I often go places, I often do things, I often wander off. David could relate to sheep. He could relate to the fact, and I believe it's in his humility and it's in his submission to who God is because he knows how good God is. And so it's not even a hard thing for him to go, you know what, I'm actually kind of like a sheep and I'm glad I've got a God to be my shepherd. You know, people who work with sheep, they will tell you this, if sheep don't have a leader, they'll go their own way and they will soon die. It's just what happens to them. Notice how personal David makes it. The Lord, he declares it. He is, he is my shepherd. But then notice where he goes next. This is so important. With the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my leader, he makes a big statement. He says, I lack nothing. Now, it would be easy just to skip over that and not think a whole lot about it. But just think for a second about all the things that oftentimes you're told that you lack or that you feel you lack. You might feel like you lack influence. You might feel like you lack prestige. You might feel like you lack honor. You might feel like you lack something new. You might feel like you act, lack a bigger house. You might feel like you lack the promotion. We tell ourselves, we hear things, you lack beauty. You lack, you lack, you lack. But notice what David is saying. He's saying, yet, if I've got the Lord, and if the Lord's the leader of my life, I can look at my whole life, and I can say, 
I'm okay. But even beyond that, David's not just saying I'm okay. He's saying, no, no, no. With the Lord, I actually don't lack anything. It's a huge statement. You might be wondering, or you maybe wondered this at some time. You said this, if I follow Jesus, what do I get? Do I get healed? Do I get wealth? If I follow Jesus Christ, will I get the promotion? If I follow Jesus, will all my struggles go away? If I follow Jesus, will I find his spouse? If I, if I follow Jesus, can I be single? All of that, those questions come to our mind. John chapter 10, I believe, answers the question. If you follow Jesus, this is what you get. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. That's important. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man, who, the man runs away because he's a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. And then Jesus says, though, I'm a good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. When Jesus Christ is your shepherd, you don't get wealth. You might not get the promotion. It might not happen that you get healed. The challenges in your life might not go away. But when you follow Jesus, when he's your shepherd, you get Jesus. You get Jesus. You get the one that looked at five loaves and two fish and was able miraculously to feed a thousand or more people with that. You get the one, you get Jesus who had the power to raise the dead. You get Jesus who was the type that when everybody else was shunning this woman caught in adultery, Jesus embraced her and led her to a better life. You get Jesus, and when you get Jesus, you get a man that said, you know what, I'm going to dine with a businessman that everybody knows is a crooked businessman, but I want to lead him to a better way of life. In Jesus, you get his grace. You get his goodness. You get the promises of God. When you have Jesus Christ, you don't fear death. You, you don't have to fear death. When you get Jesus Christ, you get reminded that, okay, he sacrificially died for me so that one day, oh, I'll receive, I receive it now. I receive his forgiveness and his grace. And one day when I stand before my holy God, I will not have to give an account for the sin in my life. And boy, am I glad I won't have to. But Jesus Christ has covered that through my faith in him, through my trust in what he's already done. When the Lord becomes your shepherd, you get Jesus. And when you get Jesus, it brings more hope, it brings more joy to you, and it comes to you in a world that is so desperate for joy, that's so desperate for hope, it's forever, it's the greatest thing you could possibly ever attain is Jesus Christ. We have a friend that's going through an incredible bout with cancer right now. She's young, she has young kids, and in the midst of it, in the midst of what she could be saying is, I lack good health, I lack this, I lack that. In the midst of all the things that she could say, I'm, gonna, I, I'm potentially going to lack the ability to see my kids grow up. I'm potentially going to lack the ability to walk another day with my husband. 
in the midst of a whole lot of lacking, what she's saying is this, is that she's finding what she needs in Christ. I lack nothing. She ended a recent post by quoting the, this verse from the Apostle Paul. She said, to live is Christ, and then she said, to die is gain. And it, it was as though she was de- making this declaration with her life in the hardest position she's ever been in her, in her life. She was saying, I declare, I declare it to be true. In Christ, I lack. I lack nothing. Our mission as a church is to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. It's a very simple mission. And we really believe that it's the most exciting mission that we could possibly be on as a group of people because there's nothing greater that we could lead people to than Jesus Christ. He's not a magic pill that just makes your life happy and rich and all those other things. No, but when you find Jesus Christ, we see him changing lives day in and day out. And there's nothing greater than we can find than Jesus Christ. And the greatest thing, church, that you and I can do is to fall more deeply in love with who he is. Because the more we know who he is, the more we stand back and we say, the Lord, if you're my shepherd, I lack nothing. I lack no good I lack nothing if you're my shepherd. And so let me ask you that question. Is the Lord your shepherd? So much there in verse 1, David postures himself underneath the Lord's leadership. We see this overarching theme throughout this psalm that God is committed to caring for his people. Let's go on. Look with me at verse 2 and 3. David writes this. He says, he makes me. And I think it says makes because I, at least for myself, we don't naturally do this well. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he's saying, Lord, you provide for me. When I look at what I have, I see that I have clothing. I see that I have food. I see that I have a place to sleep. And I see that when I see that, I see that, okay, that can come to life more than what I think I lack. Like when I lie down in in green pastures, when I focus on the things that God has provided, all of a sudden my mind goes away from all the things that I think I so desperately lack. And then he says this, he leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about him, it's about his honor, it's about his glory. He's our God. You know, knowing what we know about sheep, let me ask you this. How do you think that they would uh, fare if they came up to raging rapids instead of quiet waters? Knowing what you know about sheep. Several years ago, before we had kids, Christina's family took us whitewater rafting in in Colorado. It was so intense. We almost died. It was awesome. It was so fun. But the current was so powerful. And I kept thinking, we're going to fall out of this boat. I mean, we are going to fall out of this boat, but it was so great in the rapids. We're so fast. If you take a sheep up to rapids, what do you think is going to happen to the sheep? Well, one of the dumb ones, which is all of them, is going to look at it and go, oh, let me jump into that. And all of a sudden, they're going to get swept away by the fast current, and then they will drown. But you know what the good shepherd does, knowing the sheep? The good shepherd says, no, 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 I take you to quiet waters. I take you, and this is what our good shepherd does to us, I take you to a safe place. My eyes are on you. You know, I think the reason that David was able to say so strongly, I lack nothing, I think it's because he really enjoyed the quiet waters. You know, think just for a minute about all the things that you'd say in your life that, that make your life not quiet, things that are distracting to you. 
I think we learn this from David. David, though, he must have taken the time to, to, to step back from those and to say, okay, I'm going to step back from the demands and the busy and, and the, this idea that I can continue day after day after day to lead myself without a break and without refreshment and without reminding myself of who I am. I'll limp through that. I don't think David did that. I think he stepped back and he said, okay, I need to be reminded by quiet waters of who I am. Have you ever noticed that when you take time to connect with God, when you really take the time just to open up his word, have you ever noticed this to be true, that the, the feelings of I lack often get replaced with the feelings of all that you have, all the goodness of God, all of his grace to you, all of his loving instruction to you? In the Hebrew language, this word refreshes my soul. The word refreshes or restores. It has two meanings. On the, on the one hand, it means this. And maybe some of you are experiencing this right now. It means that when you go through a, a difficult season in your life, like if you're at a period of time where you'd say, I've been cheated, I've been wronged. We were led one way, it just didn't pan out, it wasn't right, we weren't treated rightly. I feel like this, you know, this relationship should have gone this way and it didn't work out. And you're just down and you're discouraged. This word refreshes, you know what it means? It means that the Lord is able to, when he's your shepherd, he's able to pick you back up. He's able to get you to the place where you go, that's the new direction. Lord, that's what you have for me. Lord, you're still good. Lord, you still have this promise for me. Lord, I cling to you. He's able to give you enough grit to keep going. That's refreshment. The other meaning of this is this. It's that this word refreshes, it means to repent, so you could think of it this way. The Lord will refresh, the Lord will restore your soul by sometimes, and this isn't comfortable, by showing you how you are in error, by showing you your sin. And so then you get to respond to that and say, you're right, I am a sinner, I need repentance. And so Lord, I ask for repentance or ask for forgiveness and Lord, you give me that forgiveness. And then you know what happens? Your soul is, your soul is restored. You're brought back into right relationship with your God. We were out for a walk the other night as a family, and I, I completely overreacted to our daughter. And uh, I was really harsh, actually, with my words. And I, since we were in the company of the whole family there on the walk, uh, when you sin against someone in front of the whole family, you get to apologize in front of the whole family. That's fun. And so I turned to Ashlyn, and my heart was not right yet. I turned to her, and I said, Ashlyn, I am very sorry uh, that I overreacted. Would you please forgive me? I just, I just got through it, right? And she looked at me kindly, humbly, the way, the right way. And she said, yeah, Dad, I, I forgive you. And in that moment, we were restored. We were restored. I put her to bed that night. We were good. It was restoration. But do you know what restoration comes after? As hard as it is sometimes, it's apology. Lord, I'm sorry. So this word restore, it might mean that for you today. You say, okay, if the Lord's my shepherd, he might restore me by leading me to the place where my actual, my soul needs to be restored. Isaiah chapter 53 says this, we all like sheep, it says we have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. In other words, we're stubborn like sheep. I know I am. And I need God's grace, and I need his direction, and that's why I love what it says next. What does he do for us? Green pastures, quiet waters, refreshes us. And then I love this. The Lord just doesn't leave you alone. 
If the Lord is your shepherd, what does he do? It says he will guide me along paths of right paths for his namesake, for his honor. On Tuesday night, there was this family, and they were in, out in the street, and we don't have a whole lot of traffic on our street, and so they were teaching their little girl how to ride her bike. And so as we watched them, they kind of came by, and, and, and Christina just, just threw out a cheer to the girl. She said, way to go, kiddo. You're doing great. And I noticed this, though, as we said something to them. So we got mom, we got the little girl, and then we got dad on both sides of the bike, mom and dad. The dad just looked up real quick when we said that and said, thanks. And his focus went right back to the girl. And it went right back to her. Why? Because it's his girl. And he knew this. He knew that if he took his eye off of her, it wouldn't go well because she was wobbly. It was all over the place. It was like the first practice run, right? His eyes, her eyes were on their daughter because they wanted to guide her along the right path. They wanted to help her. Know this, a shepherd has a hard job that doesn't provide much rest. It's a good thing that God is our shepherd. Know this about your shepherd. His eyes are on you, and he's guiding you, and he doesn't stop guiding you. You know, I thank God that we get his word that directs us and that guides us. I thank God that we have a shepherd that says to us, I mean, just think about what Jesus said before he departed. Do you know what he said? He said, hey, it's actually going to be better for you that I go up to heaven because now the Holy Spirit's going to come, and the Holy Spirit's presence will always be with you. You, you will always be guided. You will always be instructed. He will nudge you along. He will speak to you through my, my, my written word. He guides us. Do you have anything in your life right now where you just say, man, I need God's guidance. Lord, would you direct us? Lord, I need to hear from you. The Lord does that. Green pastures, quiet waters, refreshes your soul. He guides us. Erwin McManus put it this way. He said, our needs are God's opportunity to demonstrate his generosity and his goodness to, towards us. So think about that. When you have a need in your life, God doesn't look at that and go, oh, he's got another need. Oh, she needs me again. No. The Lord looks at you and says, oh, this is an opportunity for me to provide my generosity and my goodness and my love to the children that I love. Verse 4, I love the promises of God we find here. David writes, even though I walk through the darkest valley, and isn't it true, as horrible as these dark valleys are, and as much as I just want to say, Lord, no more, I don't want any more, isn't it true that we find such good things out about God in the midst of them? He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And that's key. He's saying this, I've made you my shepherd. And then here's the result. This is what this looks like. He says this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, a shepherd's staff would have actually looked like this back in the day. So a shepherd's staff could serve a couple different purposes. It could protect, and it could also allow a sheep to be rescued. So if a sheep's going a little too close to the edge of the cliff, oh, we just pull them back. Okay, the little sheep's being stubborn, and it wants to go into the rapids. Oh, pull them back. Oh, that sheep got into the rapids. We'll just go real deep here, and we'll pull you back out as well. So a shepherd's staff could be used to rescue, but it could also be used to do this. It could be used to protect. And so if a wolf came along or an enemy came along, the shepherd could turn it this way and whack. I'm going to protect 
my sheep. And we know our good shepherd went to such great lengths to protect you and to protect me. Scriptures say, what did he do? He laid down his life for us, for his sheep. But we also know this about a a staff. A staff could also be used to to totally correct. And so there are times, isn't it, that, that God corrects you, that God gives you a little nudge. Hey, shouldn't we go this way? Hey, getting off course. Come on, bring it back. Let me ask you this question, though. How do you respond to the Lord's correction? How do you respond when you know the Lord is saying to you, don't date him. Oh, stop, please. Oh, don't lease that. No, no, you don't want to. Oh, don't, no, no, don't go there. Oh, that's a bad, no, reel it back. Come on in. How do you respond when the Lord brings you correction? Do you look at the Lord and do you say, you know what, Lord, you're smarter than I am. You're my good leader. Lord, would you direct me? Do you you go to God's word and say, God, I need you to direct me? You know what I love about the staff is this. (laughs) David said this, the Lord's staff, what does it do for me? It doesn't cause me fear. It brings me comfort. David looked at it and he said, well, when the Lord's my shepherd, the rod is the staff. It's, It's a good thing. It doesn't bring me fear. It actually brings me peace. I know that the Lord protects me. I think we would be amazed at the things that we don't know that the Lord protects us from. We would be amazed. And Russell Moore, he put, it, he put it like this. He said, the good and the bold shepherd, he devotes himself to exterminating predators wherever they can be found. So what does the staff do? It rescues, it protects, but it also corrects. And ask yourself, how do you respond to the correction of the Lord? Is he truly your shepherd? Because the sheep will listen to the voice of the shepherd if they have even their own best interests in mind. Matthew 18 is beautiful. It says this about the shepherd. He's so good that it says that he would gladly leave the 99 just to restore one lost sheep. So if you're you're the sheep today, you'd say, oh man, as you were describing the sheep, that's actually what I'm like. Know this, the Lord looks at you and he is not, I don't think he is angry at you. He might be very angry actually at your sin and how it's harming you, but as, you're, as his child, he just longs to go get you and just to rescue you. And then David says this, verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me in the, in the presence of my enemies. In other words, when I choose your ways, David's saying, when you're my leader, the result is this, it's wisdom, it's life, it's strength, it's favor. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, I know this about sheep. Oftentimes, their heads could get caught in these briars, these pokey plants. And if a sheep got in there and it just kind of tried to get out and wasn't successful, it could actually kill itself right in the midst of the plant. Or here's another thing that's true about sheep. They have these Horrid little flies that love to torment them by laying eggs in their nostrils. Aren't you glad it's almost lunchtime? (laughs) Laying eggs in their nostrils. And then you know what? Those things hatch these little worms in their nostrils. And it drives the sheep so crazy that sometimes you'll see a sheep up against a rock. And it's just banging its head against the rock. And sometimes it will kill itself in the process. Have you ever had a thought or a frustration keep coming into your mind and you just wanted to bang your head against the wall? This morning you might need to say this to the Lord. Lord, would you anoint my head with oil? Because you know what a shepherd would do in both of those cases? 
A shepherd would take oil and he would pour it over the sheep's head and that oil would allow a barrier between the briars so that thing could get out and that oil would allow a barrier between these nasty flies so that the sheep wouldn't have to go through that. And the moment that the shepherd anointed the sheep's head with oil, it brought the sheep the sense of peace. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of me. You anoint my head with oil. The other thing we see in the scriptures is this, is that this whole idea of anointing, it was a, an idea that there was healing that, 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 that would happen through, through them putting oil on someone. But the, even beyond that, oftentimes we see this in the scriptures that when someone's head was anointed, like if you came into my home and I anointed your head with oil, I was saying in front of all of my guests, this is the guest of honor. Everything I have is this person's as well. I am so glad that they are here. I am for them. And so think about that. David says this, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Lord, I know you're for me. And then he says, surely goodness and love will, uh, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell. And I, I believe he's so confident about this. I will dwell, he's saying, in the house of the Lord forever. He knows it for a fact. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And I love this. It's as though David is proclaiming, if I'm going to dwell anywhere in my life, I want to dwell with the Lord. And regardless of what I'm going through, highs or, <clears throat> or lows, I want to dwell with the Lord. Because with the Lord, I don't lack anything. With the Lord, he'll lead me to a better place, green pastures. With the Lord, he'll provide for me the things that I need. With the Lord, even when I face things that are horrible for me, he'll anoint my head with oil and he'll bring me that peace in that place. And what will I do? I will dwell with him for how long? A couple days? No. I will dwell in the house of the Lord for. Ever. When the Lord is your shepherd, you have confidence here and now, but you have confidence for all of eternity. And so is the Lord your shepherd? I want to end this way. I want to bring up these eight powerful, I think, statements that we see come right out of the scriptures. And I just want you to ask yourself as we go through this list here really quick, is the Lord your shepherd in all of these? The first one, I lack nothing. Would you say this morning that the promises of God are good enough? That who you are, chosen, forgiven, child of God, assurance of your, are the promises of God, are they landing deeply in your heart to the point where you would say, it's true. If the Lord's my shepherd, and that happens just by saying, Lord, you're my shepherd, and I need you, and I trust in what you did and who you are, that, that's it. If you're in that place, does it feel like, man, with him as my shepherd? It's true. I lack nothing. Number two, uh, he makes me lie down. Are you so busy and so afraid this morning that you'd say, the Lord really is my shepherd, but he's not my shepherd of my schedule. Like, I am, you're overwhelmed. Do you just need to step back this morning and say, Lord, be my shepherd there. I need to remember who you are. I need to go to quiet waters. Lord, I need you to do what only you can do when I realize I'm depending on you. You're not depending on me, and neither is the world, right? Next one, he says this. This is the promise we get. He leads me. Church, is the Lord your shepherd? Who leads you? I believe this is the most important question you can ever ask. 
Because if you lead you, it will get old. But if you'll humble yourself like David did, and you'll say, Lord, I need you to lead me, it is the greatest decision you will ever make. Not because it brings wealth and the X, Y, and blah, 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 but because it brings so many good promises from your good father. Who's leading you? Next one. He refreshes my soul. Do you need to go before the Lord today and just be refreshed? Like, just to remind yourself, we've been in a hard season, but it's the Lord who picks me up. Or I'm, I'm hiding this. I need to repent so that my soul can be restored. Next one. He guides me. Are you getting direction from the Lord? Is this book directing you? We unapologetically say, if you'd spend 15 minutes a day in this book, you will never regret it. And we say that because we know that if you're guided by the Lord, it's so much better than being guided by anything else. Next one. I will fear no evil. If the Lord is your shepherd this morning, is there anything, any fear that's actually shepherding you more than the Lord? In other words, do you have any fears that you just need to say, Lord, I just got to give this to you because it's leading me. It captivates my thoughts, my mind, everything. Next one, he anoints my head with oil. Maybe you just need to hear this morning, the shepherd looks at you and he says, I'm for you. I see your pain. I see what you're going through. And I just want to cleanse you. I want to give you a barrier this morning. I want to give you encouragement. I want to remind you, I am for you. That's a promise from God's word. Next one, I will dwell with him forever. If the Lord's your shepherd, are you confident this morning that dwelling with him is the best place that you could possibly be? And are you confident that you don't just get to dwell with him right now, but you will get to dwell with him for all of eternity? Do you fear death? You do not need to. Is death scary? Is death, I, I, I can only imagine. But do you know what? In the Lord, it says this, I will dwell with him, David says, not for a day, not for a month, but I will dwell with him and I long to dwell with him forever. And so church, again, let's ask that question, is the Lord our shepherd? And uh, why don't you pray with me now and uh, let's just say, let's declare it to be true. Lord, we can relate to David, and uh, we just want to humbly, though, submit and say right now, like he did, Lord, we want to put you in your proper place, and we want to say, Lord, you are our shepherd. You are the good one. Lord, you are the only one we want leading us. And so, Father, we just humbly submit to you as your church. We pray in your name. Be honored with our worship. Amen.